Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, so there was uh, a story that came out, I don't know, a couple days ago from Mike uh, Tannenbaum, former Jets GM, right? And he proposed a trade that made you raise an eyebrow if you're a Browns fan. Is that a fair assessment before I even get into it? Sure. Raise yeah, an eyebrow. Yeah. You know, and maybe it was just might be the case. It might have just been talk to talk. And he did this on uh, ESPN. He was talking. And he proposed a Daniel Jones for Deshaun Watson trade. New York Giants. New York Giants, yes. In his uh with the Browns throwing in a pick. Second rounder. So in fact he said the Browns should trade Deshaun Watson to the Giants and add a second round pick for Big Blue as well. He said, excuse me, hear me out on this. If you're the Browns, you have Dorian Thompson-Robinson, you have Joe Flacco, and now 27-year-old Daniel Jones, who has one year left of guaranteed money for $36 million and an enormous amount of flexibility moving forward, he said uh, to the folks on ESPN who looked at him uh, like, what? What are you talking about? Come on, man. You kidding? So he said, if you're the Giants, then... You're getting Deshaun Watson, who's 29, who's making a 40, who's making 46 million a year, for the next three years and a second round pick. To me, you need a front line, difference making quarterback. Right now, if you're the Giants, how in the world do you win the NFC if you have to beat San Francisco, Green Bay, Dallas, Philly, Detroit with Daniel Jones? Reaction. Reaction to what? To that what Tannenbaum thing? Y- yes. Uh, okay, he just threw that out there. That That's my reaction to it. I think he just threw it out there, too. How, however, when you add more to it, uh, you've heard some Justin Fields for Deshaun Watson trade talk. It's People another just throwing things out there. Yep. To me, it's not the idea so much that, all right, would you trade Justin Fields for you know Deshaun Watson and you know throw something else in? And would you trade... You know, Watson to the Giants for Daniel Jones. It's this. All of a sudden, Deshaun Watson, in the minds of some people, is not an absolute lock here in Cleveland as the quarterback of the future. That That's what it means to me, Andy. It's that people are thinking, okay, the Browns will be or could be moving on from Deshaun Watson, which, of course, next year he's halfway through the contract. That makes sense. It's just something I don't think that we've thought about too much because we've all been locked in on, okay, you gave up a ton of assets, you gave them a ton of money, but it's the National Football League, and teams move on from things quickly. 
Uh, yes, money-wise, it'll hurt them. They'll figure it out. They always do. You know that that I, I and I'm not a cap guy. I'm not an NFL money guy. I I clearly that's not any area of expertise on my part. But teams always seem to find a way, don't they? There's, they do. There's, there's still always a, lot on the field. a team on the field, and there always seems to be some pretty good talent on every NFL team. This is true. So they always seem to find a way. To me, more than anything, it's throwing the notion out there that you know. This whole Deshaun Watson thing might be something that the Browns need to walk away from at some point before the expiration of this contract. And I don't know if that's anything that any of us actually thought about very much. That's what it, that's what it shows me. And I think that that is where the interesting thought comes from. Where are you on uh, just the simple notion of trading Deshaun Watson? I can't wait to see what he does next year, and I hope he lights it up and he's here for 10 years. That's my thought. No that's, buts? that's what I think about it. No one thing? No. That's just your straight thought. No. Yeah. I, I, I want to see him next year, and I want to see him. If he lights it up, great. Then you've got your quarterback. It's a done deal. And if he doesn't, Andy, then I, I would think after year three, you're really thinking about some things. I really would. I mean, because why? You have a team that you think is probably built to compete. And they went 11-6 and six this year without him for most of the season. Without any stability at the quarterback position. You went 11-6. and six. Now, did you do it with mirrors? Maybe. But you still did it. I had somebody tell me the other day, you know, they might not win 11 games next year. I said, yeah, I know, and they could be better. Went, yeah, I know. That's really that's the way the NFL works, right? Or they could go in the other direction. Exactly. Yeah. You know, they they could go thirteen and four. I, I I'm at the point now where I'm very similar to you. So that if you go, yeah, I mean, I'm going forward this season with Deshaun Watson. We could sit here and talk about Daniel Jones, or we could talk about Justin Fields. We can talk about any of these guys that may be on the table. But for what the Browns put into this, that I just can't see them walking away. Maybe at the end of this year if they figured out a trade or, or a trade partner because, one, the money owed is significantly less than it was when they first acquired him. And, two, that, that'll mean that they didn't think it worked, that this was not a good fit, that it wasn't um, it wasn't a match made in Super Bowl heaven for, well, for well, this franchise. Can I give Tannenbaum's thought just a slight bit of credibility? Sure. Okay, and it's, it's this. Everybody thought, oh, that's ridiculous, blah, 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 blah. If you're the Giants, you're paying Daniel Jones, I think it's, what, $40 million or something like that. They signed him to a $160 million extension or whatever it is. A, a lot of money. And I, I think he's okay. I think he's okay. But if you're the Giants, do you think you can compete against some of those other NFC teams with him? And if you, if you don't and you think Deshaun Watson might give you that chance, I can see you might be willing to make that move. On the other side, if you're the Browns and you think, man, we, I, don't, I don't think we can compete with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow and the, terrific, the terrific quarterbacks in the AFC with Deshaun Watson, that would give you an opportunity to cut bait, have Daniel Jones for a year, move along, go find another one. See, so that that's 
I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't I wouldn't trade Watson. I want him here next year. I think that's the way to go. However, I understand the thought process on that. I do. And I know that, you know, his coworkers thought, silly. Well, maybe, except for one thing. I got I'll there's, tell you. There's there's not a ton of patience in, in the NFL. I mean, when when Brock Purdy leads your team to the super the Super Bowl after you gave up three number ones for a guy you cut. Or traded, actually, but what fourth round pick? You, you bailed on Trey Lance, okay? You you just bailed on him. That just shows you where where teams are. It's like, hey, this isn't going to work. We got to go. You have to help me with this because I, I don't see this the same way. And you know, Tannenbaum said, "Hear me out. You're the Browns. You have Dorian Thompson Robinson, and you have Joe Flacco. Do you really have Joe Flacco? Yeah, because all you got to do is offer him the contract he's looking for, and you got him." If you wanted to do that. And based on, we'll play this for you in a minute too. Dorian Thompson Robinson's a big question mark too, moving forward into some of these space that we're talking about. All right, let's go to Kent Frank. Hey, Frank. Hello, Frank. Hey, Jeff and Andy, how's it going? Good, how are you? Uh, well, I, I'm really uh, like a lot of fans, and maybe the Browns front office have my doubts about Watson and his uh, prone to injury and everything else. But that was highlighted by the fact that uh, Flacco came in and moved the steam. He had a lousy game at the end of the playoffs, but uh, I don't think that was all his doing. I'm not going to blame Stefanski, but uh, they shouldn't have had off the previous game. But so let's look at. They gotta have Flacco in here if Deshaun's gonna start as as a backup. That's the insurance policy, right? Yeah, but they don't have to have him. They can get somebody else, Frank. Well, what they get? We've already seen what Flacco can do. Well, there's seven or eight guys out there. They, they'll they'll find a backup quarterback. I, don't the other worry thing about is, it. does Flacco want to come back? If he's not going to be a starter, I don't know that we're the right fit for him. Well, when he was accepting his award. Uh, yeah, he said he liked it, but it's still a business at the end of the day, and it's his family, and, you know, does he want to sit on the couch? And we know the whole story from last year. Like, I want him to come back. I'd love for him to be a Cleveland Brown next year. And if he wanted to accept the backup role, it's simple. I mean, it's really easy, especially for one season. That's a cake. Oh, yeah. But I, if uh, I'm Joe Flacco, I want more. N- nobody's going to well, make him their starting quarterback next year, guys. But you don't think the Browns will give him an offer that he uh, made? He's not hurting for money. They can give him an offer he accepts. Maybe, Frank. It, that's not that's not the point of this conversation. Whether he's back or not, they'll have a backup quarterback next year. All right, well, anyway. Oh, uh, uh, Deshaun, uh, uh, we're going to see what happens with Deshaun. When they go into camp and uh, uh, spring camp and everything else, to see how it is. Maybe he's uh, recovered and rejuvenated. Maybe he's not. Agree with you, Frank. Frank, have a great day, my friend. Appreciate the phone call. Um, yeah, I, again, that is still there, although Mary Kay Cabot saying yesterday that all signs are pointing towards uh, rehab going exactly perfect, that everything's going good, he'll be throwing, and life is good, and he is on track, right? That's but the story the last couple of days, is that that is the story. So... I'm just, I mean, I, I, I'm ready to see what happens next. Let's go to Halim in Cleveland. Hello, Halim. Hey, good talking to you, fellas. Hey, man. Hi, Halim. Uh, three really quick things. Number one, 
Um, 16 for 16 in the fourth quarter against the Ravens. I know he's gone through an injury afterwards. There's a handful of QBs, literally maybe four or five in the league that can pull something like that off. That's the difference between getting you to the Super Bowl and being able to compete versus making it and losing 45 to whatever in the playoffs. Secondly, if you trade him, the dead cap space, yes, there's dead cap space when you trade him. You will have to cut Teller, Chubb, Ward, and another starter. If you cut him, you will not be able to field an NFL team. So everybody needs to get it through their head. You can't trade or cut him. Literally cannot. You can't finagle the cap in this way to get rid of him. Have a good day. Thank you, Halim. Dropping wisdom on us, I guess. It, it, would, it would cripple things. It would hurt things. Sorry, they'd still field a team. And again, I'm, I'm no cap expert. Andy, it would, it would really make a terrible crunch. Somehow they always seem to be able to field a team. I, I don't want to trade them. I want to put them out there. I want to see what you get. And then after that, they figure it out. All right, so Tannenbaum makes that noise. I'm just curious what you think. You want to talk about, you know, crippling the team moving forward? I don't know. There are folks that would uh, be apt to see if the Browns can figure this thing out, whether you think that um, it's the end of the world or not. I don't know. Deshaun Watson, and it was thrown out there by Mike Tannenbaum to try to trade him. Do you think that would be the right avenue for this team to pursue? Mike Tannenbaum was talking on ESPN, and the story kind of broke over, I don't know, was that uh, 16, a couple days ago, that was proposing this wild, like, Daniel Jones for Deshaun Watson trade. So, you know, at first thought, you say to yourself, well, you know, would the Browns be open to trading Deshaun Watson? Then you dig a little bit deeper, and we had a phone call just saying, hey, does this work? I mean, can you actually do that? Because you can't because of dead space uh, uh, in the cap and and dead cap hit, and so there, there are – there would be hurdles, major hurdles, uh, that would hurt the team if they did try to trade him in this situation. But Dan and I were just talking for a second, just like there is a path, but part of it would have to be Deshaun Watson wanting to renegotiate, which we talk about all the time. I mean, how many every year in a row now Deshaun Watson renegotiates his deal so that he can get cash up front to help out the Browns so they can kick the can down the road so that they can bring in other players. So, I mean, while we're saying... Happens every offseason in the NFL. Yeah, and so... Guys renegotiating. While we're looking at the situation here, it's just... It's kind of Mike Tannenbaum just throwing it out there. And then you, as a Browns fan, are you saying, what? Where? where's the threshold here on this thing? At what point should maybe the Browns start to consider this or think about this? And, you know, Jeff and I were talking about a number of factors that can kind of play into this. Dan, just in 30 seconds, because I know it's super wordy. But when you put the... When you put the notion out there that there is no way, because it would do uh, horrible damage to the franchise by trading him, is that 100% correct? Is that 90% correct? Is that 80% correct? What is that? So if you, at least this is all according to overcap.com, so which is a wonderful resource if you want to look into this kind of stuff. And if you do, I also can suggest that maybe you should go outside and get some sun. Okay. Um, <laughs> so the basics of this would be if they wanted to trade Deshaun Watson at least for next year if you did it before June 1st because after June 1st is a different animal but if you do it before June 1st you wouldn't completely get killed it would be a 62 million dollar dead cap hit which would be the equivalent of having him on the roster plus one more million dollars after that that number 
would go down a little bit. It'd be a 44 $44 million cap hit, a $26 million cap hit. So for at least three years, Deshaun Watson would sit on your cap with some kind of money given to him. Now, they could sit down and negotiate that, but there is no incentive for Deshaun Watson to sit down and renegotiate that. The money's already coming his way. Exactly. And the only way that you would lower that would be if he would decide to take a pay cut. And I'm not not saying this is like it's a bad thing for Deshaun Watson, but think of it as yourself. If your boss came up to you and said, hey, we'd like to send you to a different company. Uh, and you're gonna. We'd really appreciate it if you took a pay cut to help us out. I don't think all of us would be jumping to really help no, out like nobody would do that. Right. The guy. The guy got a contract. He's deserving of what's in the contract because so, they agreed I, to give it to him. So I guess the tiny question for fans is how crippling is it to even think about the fact of him being traded? It wouldn't kill you. It's not as bad as if you turned around and cut him but you would definitely carry him with you and it would take away a good margin of error. Like put it this way, if you wanted to be the playoff team that you are, you'd have to kill the draft this year. You would you would have to everybody at least 3 to 4 of the guys you brought in would have to really help you succeed and any lotto ticket you had, you'd have to at least hit like 70% of. Them. Again, it's it's problematic, it's a problem everything else. They're they're not going to trade Deshaun Watson. The the point of that I take out of it, all the the little rumblings is just that wow, okay. That might be something to think about down the road that this might not be a five-year marriage. What it might be is, okay, we gave it three years. We couldn't get him on the field. It didn't work. And now where are we going? That's it, that's all it made me think. Very interesting. All right, there's another twist to this. I'll get to that in a second. Josh is in Elyria. Hi, Josh. Hey, boys. Great show today. Hey, man. How are you? Thank you, Josh. Doing good. Hey, I, I just want to think it's it's I th- I see Jeff's point. Like at least Jeff brought some kind of sanity to the point. I think the whole thing is ludicrous. Daniel Jones, nice guy, wish him well, but that guy's probably one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. I wouldn't if I was any team or owner, I would not want Daniel Jones. It was ridiculed when he got the contract that it was a joke, and he did even worse this year. Why would you he, want? He Daniel was hurt Jones? a lot. He, he tore. I believe it was his ACL. Josh, he's got knee issues. But he's out. Yeah. Yeah, but he's very—he's not even average. I would say he's subpar. I, I can't I argue with you about money. that. The only—the only point was, you know, if—if if the Giants thought that they could compete with Watson, and the Browns decided that they could no longer, and that's all just opinion. You know, that—that's yeah. why he threw those names out there. I—I I think it's interesting though that they're—they poo-poo on Watson, but yet he would be an upgrade in New York, and that would be—and we still have to give them a second-round pick. I just find that just. Yeah, Josh, I'm with you on that, too. I thought the same thing. In fact, I was more apt to listen to the stories about Justin Fields than I was about him. I I was just like, agreed. why would we want to do that? I just, I don't see it, especially knowing that you're looking at a year where we still have hope for Watson, where we still feel like he hasn't given us anything that we, I I, I don't think he's given himself anywhere where he thinks he wants to be more than even the fans. Like, he knows he's better than what we see. Yeah. I think he wants to be here. I think the Haslam's want him here. I think he deserves uh, the chance to finish out his contract. We've we've committed this far. We need to keep it up. I think it would just add more insult to injury, and then just you just look bad because now you you're saying that you don't have that you made a bad de- you're admitting that you made a bad decision to the national media, which I don't think we did. But if Jimmy Haslam did do that, it would be I think it would be embarrassing for him. I think it's, I just think it's an insult to even. But yeah, Fox I think they could get to the last year of the contract, and I don't feel be, I don't think it'd be embarrassing. But right now, I agree with you, Josh. It's embarrassing if they do. All right. Well, thanks for taking my call. Thank you, Josh. Have, have a great day. You, Mike is in Cleveland. Hey, Mike. How are you, Mike? 
Mike. This is Drake. How are you oh. doing today? Hey, Drake. How are you? Sorry about that. All right, yourself. It's okay. I, I'm in. I'm in a truck, so he probably couldn't hear me. I'm, I'm a semi driver. It's all good. Thank um, you for keeping safe. the roads safe. What I what I got from Tannenbaum's quote was after hearing him say that Watson was the worst quarterback in the league last year. The moment the league, the moment the year was over with, now all of a sudden he can take another team to the playoffs. But he seems to be garbage on the ground. I didn't understand that illustration because they constantly tell you how Watson is not playing, um, you know, better than certain rookies. But then you'll say if he wants to beat the 49ers, he, you know, Washington helped them beat the 49ers, the Cowboys, and the Redskins. But he, he, he's an albatross in Cleveland against Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Cincinnati. That part didn't make any sense. So I kind of threw that out. But what I was, you know, what he didn't factor in was it's a no trade card for Watson yeah. anyway. He, he, he had the first choice of refusal. And that would be like Cleveland has died already. They're working their way back from the dead. That would be like. You know, you're going all the way, and then you got you got a friggin' sign, and you execute them, but you get executed for the comments you made. Thank you for the call. <laughs> Thanks, Drake. That's great, Drake. All right, let me take this to the next level right, here. Frankenstein. <laughs> let me take this to the next conversation. So, I, you just have a guy that was coach of the year, right? Kevin Stefanski. Second time in four years. Yeah. And you walk into the season, and I'm not trying to go backwards on this thing because we just I, – I I need to see Deshaun go out there and be healthy so I can feel confident. It's not that I don't have confidence in him, but I want to feel confident in Deshaun Watson and what he's able to do and, and what, why they really went out and got him and, you know, why they paid the price that they did and why we've sat here for a little bit of time waiting to see what was going to happen next for this franchise and how they were going to be able to take it to the next level. Now you're sitting here – Jeff, what if at the end of the year, it's not there? Do you change head coaches, the guy that was just the head coach? It is the NFL, and if things aren't going your way, and you're trying to shake things up, and you're trying to motivate the organization and the franchise to get to where you want to go, I mean, how long can we sit with the with the Stefanski-Watson deal if it's not working out? Is this a fair question even? And that's that's where a balance point comes in. Yeah. Going into this season, if you're looking at maybe who was the who was the top guy in the organization, it's just as far as employees. And Kevin's an employee. Let's remember that. Right. So is Deshaun. I would think Deshaun so Deshaun was the guy. It's like, hey, you gotta make this work with Deshaun or it's not gonna, you know, you're not gonna be here. Right? Well, Deshaun got hurt. Kevin made it work with other guys. Kevin goes eleven and six. Watson was four and one. Other quarterbacks won as well. I would think there might be a little changing of the hierarchy in the organization. And if it doesn't work next year with Deshaun at quarterback, I would think you would want to change quarterbacks before you would want to change coaches. However, let me just throw one one thought at you. The Haslams are also part owners of the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay. Okay. Mike Budenholzer won an NBA title not too long ago. They lost a first-round series. They fired him. And the Haslams are only, you know, minority partners there. Okay? Yeah. But, but they're involved. Oh. I don't know. I, I, I do they're, they're, any they're, influence on coaches getting fired? I, I, don't I don't know. know. They're involved. They're, okay. you know, they're part owners. They're financially involved. They had to write a big check to get involved. I mean, but they were also financially involved with the Steelers, and no one ever looked at them and said, oh, what's the That's Haslams? That's because we didn't know who they were. But no one was though. Right. Well, I mean, now we know sure they Steeler own this team. They own the crew. They they're part owner of the Bucks. Right. Anyhow, 
The Bucks fired Budenholzer. They owe him $16 million bucks over two years. They fired Adrian Griffin after 43 games. They owe him $12 million over the next three years, $4 million a year. And they hired Doc Rivers, $10 million per year for the next three after this. So they're on the hook for three coaches for a lot of cash in Milwaukee. That doesn't mean they wouldn't. So, so let's just say this. You give Stefanski an extension this season, which I assume he'll get. Right. Because as a free agent, if he were to walk out of here, he'd get a, he'd get a job. Sure. Immediately. Yep. And so I get, I'm sure he's going to get an extension. Doesn't matter what the extension is. They'd have no hesitation in making a change if they thought that was the move to make. But I don't think that's the move to make. If it doesn't go well this year and Deshaun doesn't play well, at some point you don't look at the coach. At some point you look at the player. And I think that point is now. So right now you'd say they're even. No, I'd say, I'd say Kevin Stefanski is a little higher on the food chain. But they just went 11 and yeah, six but with what you're five saying, quarterbacks. If you use that Bucks analogy, it's easier to get rid of the coach than it is to get rid oh, of without, the player. Without yeah, easy, so. but, but you don't want to get rid of Giannis. No. You might want to get rid because Giannis produces. If your quarterback doesn't produce for you for a third straight year for a variety of reasons, well, isn't it time maybe to just change the quarterback? Mm. Just That's a down-the-road thing, but just keep just keep all that in mind. Big changes in college football. It's five plus seven now. We're all doing our math for the college football playoff, but there are just so many things going on in this ever-changing world of college athletics. That's why we bring in the expert as far as I'm concerned. He is Dan Wetzold. Yahoo Sports, his podcast is The College Football Inquirer. Dan, always a pleasure to have you on the show. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on, man. Hi, Dan. All right, Dan, five plus seven. What does it mean, and you know, where is it taking us with college football now that we know that this is the format uh, for the college football playoff? Yeah, I think with a 12-team playoff in, in this situation, it's the best uh, best option we had. It was going to be six automatic qualifiers because there used to be a power five, and then you'd have that one extra team could get in uh, from the Mountain West or the American or whatever. One of those teams has a has a great season. There's access for them to get in with an automatic bid, um, which I thought was, you know, it's good. It brings a little bit of, of a Cinderella element to it. Um, but the Pac-12 no longer exists as a Pac-2, and we don't need an automatic bid for a two-team two league. Um, although they, they proposed it. I'm not surprised. I bet they did. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, then, like, no, all you do then is just, like, Notre Dame, adds like UMass and, and creates a two-team league, right? And just wins it every year and is automatically in. Uh, so you can't have that. So we have five automatic bids. It, generally, it's going to go to the, you know, the Big Ten, the SEC, the ACC, the Big 12. I think statistically it's probably impossible for those four not to get in. And then, look, your Boise State, your Fresno State, whatever, somebody gets in from, from the Mountain West. Then you have seven at-large uh, spots for everybody else. Um you know, it's just the reality of the, of the playoff. You can, you, you know, I think you'll you'll see probably each year, certainly the Big Ten and the SEC grabbing in three of those spots probably. Um, so, you know, the, the, you're, you're going to have access that way, and then you play. And then the first weekend is the first – the top four teams are all conference champs. So you're, you're basically your ACC, Big 12, Big 10, SEC champion 
is going to get a bye in the first round, and then you're going to play seeds five, six, seven, and eight are going to host the game against nine, 10, 11, 12, you know, uh, paired up 12 and five and, and, you know, nine and eight or uh, yeah, nine and eight, stuff like that. So I think that's going to be exciting to have the home field games. Um, I'm intrigued to watch Southern teams come to the big 10. I like the idea of college communities getting the excitement, the money, the whole, the attention, the whole bit. Um, you know, one of my favorite parts of college football is stadiums and the, and the towns and visiting the town. So I think like a playoff game at Ohio stadium or, or Ann Arbor would be incredible. I think it'd be incredible when it's at Kansas state or something like that. Yeah. And a little town has this moment that you're never going to have. So, and then obviously after that, you're, you, you go to bowl sites. I think eventually they'll change that with one through four. So for the next two years, I think we have a pretty interesting playoff, um, they're voting on, you know, potentially what's going to come after that. I would love to see this play out a little bit and see what we have before we just jump ahead. But college sports doesn't necessarily do things uh, on a real nice time time frame. Dan, I thought it was interesting in that playoff scenario. If with the when the NFL goes to Saturdays, college football will be going on Saturday too. I, I'm I'm really intrigued by watching the NFL and big time college football go head to head. What do you think about that? There will be some some overlap uh, on those Saturdays in December, uh, at least one of them. But the the NFL doesn't really start till like four thirty. So, you know, maybe you're into your second game. Uh, look, we all know the NFL is the king. The NFL gets huge ratings. The NFL is great. I don't think you know. First of all, I don't really care what the ratings are. I'm going to watch whichever game is better. Uh, I'm not a TV exec, so whatever. But I also think there's a way for college football to to draft off the NFL also. It's not like every single NFL game is the most exciting thing in the world. And, um, you know, I know it's 4.30 and the Jets are playing the Bills. They're going to get a really nice TV number. But if, you know, let's say Ohio State's the seventh seed one year and Ole Miss or Alabama's coming, Alabama's the 10th seed, and they're playing in Columbus, Ohio against that. I don't know, man. That's it's going to be a pretty good rating too. So um, it, it creates more excitement. What, what we have right now on those Saturdays are basically four low, the lowest level bowl games, like New Mexico bowl and those kind of Bahama pop tart bowl. Um, we're going to have playoff games. So let's see how college football does against it. But, you know, my enjoyment of it's not going to matter on whether how many people are watching this or something else. Dan Wetzel joining us from Yahoo Sports, the podcast, the College Football Inquirer. I want to go back to something you said, Dan, after two years, and you said you kind of like to want to see how the 12th team plays out. I, I would agree with you. If you, I can't imagine that the idea of expanding to 16 is immediately there, and you're certainly not going to take teams out of the playoffs, I, I wouldn't think, moving forward, correct? No, they won't, they won't go smaller because there'll be less, less TV money. Right. So, yeah, and they're they're talking – I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of, like, saber-rattling. Look, the Big Ten and the SEC are, are trying to exert their will on it. Uh, we want more money. We want more of this. I mean, we want multiple automatic bids every year to the playoff, uh, which I find to be redundant. Like, what year is the second-place Big Ten or SEC team not going to get into a – win one of those at-large spots? Yeah, right. Generally, they get in even, even in a four-team. You know, I mean, Ohio State's been in a number of times after losing to Michigan. You know, they lose to Michigan, still get in. 
Alabama, Georgia, the loser still makes it. So I, I, I find that to be just sort of like, I'm not even sure what they're doing, but I really hope in college football, and one of the problems the sport has is there's no, no one is in charge. There's no commissioner. There's no, not that Roger Goodell makes all the decisions the owners do, but there's just nobody really in charge. And it, all these conferences try to just grab micro advantages often to the detriment of the overall sport. And I think this sport is a lot better when we have all these teams playing. And it's it's not like the Mountain West is going to get in the way of Alabama and, you know, and, and, and the Buckeyes and Penn State and all these schools, right? But having them in the tournament is a good thing. Like, who cares, right? Um, have a big – I want the Big 12 to exist. I want the ACC to exist. I didn't want the Pac-12 to go away. I liked it better when it was there. And obviously they're still playing football, but it's it's chaotic and all that. I just think hopefully this isn't about, look, we're going to grab, uh, we get guaranteed all these spots, and we get to control everything. I, I hope there is unit. The reason March Madness is so great is because everyone's kind of got their chance. And at the end of the day, the team that wins the title is usually Kansas or Carolina or UConn or whatever. It, it doesn't really matter, but the entertainment product for the rest of us is so great. Dan, the seven at-large teams, I uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the board of managers will decide who those seven teams are. Criteria, the, and the criteria involved, just the yeah. tip, the typical kind of, of ranking stuff that we see in college sports? Yeah, it's the same playoff committee they have now, which if you've ever watched that show, yep. they say everything everything is a factor, which means nothing is a factor, right? <laughs> <laughs> It means anything we want to do is what we do. Yeah, they'll be like one week, they'll be like, wow, they got road victories. They're so great. And then the next week, they're like, uh, they have a, their turnover margin is plus uh, 14. I mean, that's tremendous. <laughs> and you're like, okay, that's fine. But, like, when did that become a thing? <laughs> um, yeah, so that's still going to be a, a, a – but look, I mean, you're going to be fighting over the seventh at large spot. Obviously, there'll be people screaming, and that's part of the part of it. Yep. The seating will be really interesting. That division of are you number eight or are you number nine is big because you're talking about a home game. Um, but look, there's a hundred and last year there were 133, I think teams. There might be more now. I think Delaware jumped in. <clears throat> no one in the world would design a of a sport where 133 or more teams play for one championship. Right. Nobody would do this. No, we have we have big cities, small towns, state schools, military academies, religious <laughs> schools. We got everything right? right. We got it all. You know, we, we had national powers at times in like Nebraska. Like it, it, anything can happen. So you would never design this sport. And that's part of the fun is it doesn't quite work. It'll never quite. All the Lego pieces don't <laughs> quite fit. And you just kind of got to go. All right. That's what we got. I mean, what do we want to do? You just want to have a 30-team league? That's fine, but some years you're going 2-10. Two and two and ten. And, you know, it, it's a different sport. It's a totally different sport. So I like, the, I like a little of the quirkiness. It's okay. So that's why I think it's interesting that we talk about the SEC and the Big Ten, you know, in these meetings, trying to grab more power, and you talk about 30 teams. And, I mean, that, to me, I wonder what the future looks like if you're going to – if the SEC and the Big Ten grab all the power – are we not heading towards just 30 teams? Maybe well, I'd love to see relegation. That'd be awesome. But that's relegation right. would be cool. I yeah. mean, look, do we need 133? No. But again, does um, 
don't know, whoever was in last place. You know, New Mexico State, I think they actually had a decent year. Does you does it, does, it, does it affect your life if the University of Texas El Paso's football team never has a winning season or Louisiana Monroe? No, you didn't even know they were playing. Um, so, uh, yeah, th- they could go to a small thing, and TV would love that, right? Match up big on big. You would even cut, you know, numerous Big Ten schools out, numer- all that. The problem, though, is for these schools, these, these teams – have multiple purposes and part of it is bringing alumni back it's promotion you want to have a good record nobody can just like you know i don't know when was the last time ohio state had a losing record was it one year with fickle as the interim yeah wasn't really great but like i mean seriously like 40 years what do they have maybe that's it like they're 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 built on hey we're gonna win nine at least and we're going to fill up this 110,000-seat stadium, and we're going to sell all the parking, and we're going to have people desperate for tickets and all of that. That's the business model. If you go to a 30-team league to try to maintain that when you're playing, you're going to lose more games. You just automatically. And someone's going to go 1-11. One in, one in and unlike the NFL, when you go, you won't go 1-1, or, you know, sorry to bring it up, but 0-16 there, uh, you get the number one pick. <laughs> I live in Detroit, so we just can't play through it, too. Um, but you get the number one pick, right? You can sit there and go, well, hey, we're getting Caleb. You know, we're getting Caleb, We're getting Drake. We're getting this. You lose, you get the best player. In college, the worst teams get the worst players. The best team gets the number one pick, basically. So how do you remedy that in a, in a 35, 40-team league? You, you need wins, and it's – Maybe Ohio State can stay, but, like, would you want to be, say, like, I don't know who would be at the bottom of that, maybe, like, Michigan State? It would be really – like, Michigan State needs to schedule games they're going to win and at least get six, eight wins and have the alums come back and everyone have a good time. And, you know, there's a lot of schools in college football who don't ever think they're going to win the national championship. Uh, it's just unlikely to happen. And – you know, but that's okay for what they're trying to do. They're really hoping, hey, maybe we can get in this playoff and host a game. Maybe we can make a little run. We don't necessarily think we're going to win the national championship, but we have a lot of a lot of fun with college sports. That's the difference between college and pro. I don't know if you saw the basketball game last night. UConn played at Creighton. Yeah, Creighton had incredible atmosphere. Creighton won. The kids are having fun. Like the place is jammed. Like what a great night for Creighton University. Creighton University is winning a national championship. They've never been to a Final Four. They're probably never, like they're good. Maybe they make a Final Four. Great, that'd be unbelievable. But they're not really sitting there every day going, "How do we win the national championship?" That's okay. It's a great night for for Creighton. It's a great sport for Creighton. It's a great experience for Creighton. Dan Wetzel joining us, and Dan with Yahoo Sports, his podcast, the College Football Inquirer. You wrote a great piece yesterday, Dan, that I thought was really interesting about the the number of college football players declaring for the NFL draft dropping and you say NIL and transfer portal effect. Isn't that a great thing for college football all the way around to be, to to keep good guys in the game and and maybe even for the kids to not jump to the NFL too soon. Uh, Yeah. I I mean, I think it's certainly great for college football and it's almost certainly good for the player. I mean, obviously there'd be individual cases where someone should have made their jump and didn't, but, um, Look, NIL, transfer portal, it's not, it's not perfect in any way. Plenty of things, but it's not all bad either. So 
in 2019, 135 juniors in college declared for the NFL draft. There was a seven-year stretch where the average was 115 players. So pretty good sample size of number. Every year, over 100. This year, it's 58. It's dropped in half, if not more. And it's all of a sudden, guys are saying, yeah, I'm still – there are actually a number of first-round draft picks. Quinn Ewers and guys like that didn't jump. Um, But guys are looking and going, hey, I can go pro and try to be a third-rounder, or I can stay and play for my team and and make some money and – all of that, or, hey, I, was, I, I wanted to come back for my senior year. My coach took a new job. We got a new group in. I feel like I got to go now. Now you can transfer and say, hey, this is a better situation. I'm going to jump over to this school. I can play over here, and I like that coach's system or whatever. They can make choices, and they're choosing to play in college. Obviously, Ohio State this year is the leader in that. Last year, it was Michigan. And look what it did for Michigan. You know, like they, they set up a fund, and Murray's it was almost controversial because people were like, they literally named it the one more year fund. They said, we have a, a GoFundMe basically to say, we want to keep Blake Corum and Zach Center and all these guys. They literally named them on the website. They raised enough money and the guy said, well, back. Well, they just went and won a national title. Right? I don't think Blake Corum's disappointed in his decision. And I think that's great, right? Ohio State's season next year is very exciting. They have a ton of talent, recognizable. Fans get to spend another year with these guys. Um, there's better, there's 60, 70, 80 more guys that would be in the NFL probably that are now playing college football. That's, that's good. More star power, more time on campus, more time to get a degree, more, whatever. Um, I think, you know, so there are major benefits to NIL and transfer portal. Also, it's not just the complaint, 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 complaint. Dan, as always, thank you. Maybe we'll see you over here for the women's final four. Caitlin Clark, I can only imagine what Cleveland's going to be like that weekend with. I don't know if I can afford a hotel room. It's going to be insane. (laughs) Andy's got a spare room. People are showing up. (laughs) Well, it's really going to be tough because the eclipse is going on that weekend and so is opening day. So it's going to be fun. Oh, boy. It's going to be very good. Dan, thank you very much. We appreciate your time. You are the best. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. There you go. Dan Wetzel, Yahoo Sports, the podcast, the College Football Inquirer. He was on the North Homestead Chrysler. Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. First, let's uh, give me your first thoughts on on what he had to say. And I mean, there were there were just so many topics that we went through through with him. So I'm going to go through them uh, one by one. But the, just the thing I thought. like is, first of all, I like the expanded playoff. That's the the big general picture. Secondly, I, I like what Dan pointed out, which you know we knew was coming. But it, it's when when you hear Dan spell it all out, it's like yeah, that's going to be great. When you have home games in the playoffs, and you're going to have, you know, the the teams that don't get a bye, the what next five, six, seven, eight, right, hosting on campus in their stadium. It's going to be awesome. Playoff games. That's going to be really cool, and I, I think that will do for college football something that college football has needed for a long time, which is just to most of the bowl games, Andy, are, are meaningless. These these aren't going to be bowl games. They're going to be better, and they're going to be anything but meaningless. And they're going to be on campus. You know, it's not like you're packing everybody up and shuffling off to, you know, Ruston, Louisiana. No, you're also not. If your team's good and you have the opportunity to make your conference championship, you're not doing three road trips in six yeah. weeks. I, I just 
I think that aspect of it might be the coolest thing of all. Um, I, I like where this is going. I mean, clearly, I think this is a better alternative. I am concerned about, and I said this at the beginning, some of the pitfalls of what we're looking at. Um, you know, I, I just I wonder what it's going to be like down the road. I wonder how many teams are going to get just no no chance. And I wonder if there's a chance to strengthen what is the old one double a right like maybe some of these schools at the bottom i thought dan said something super interesting that we may hit something here sometime soon where the big 10 doesn't look like the big 10 anymore where the teams that just aren't competitive in the big 10 might find themselves somewhere else the the issue i have there though is that i i don't know across the big 10 some schools are just stronger in other sports than they are in football and do you really want to lose them in the big 10 then the other big pitfall that we're looking at here is that, and maybe it's not a pitfall. Maybe it's 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 this great thing that could happen that the Big Ten and SEC are going to grab everything, and that's what we're going to see. And you're going to be down to thirty teams. And then you might. And if ha- that's the case, then you've got twelve, you know, thirty teams in the league, and twelve go to the playoffs. Well, but you might have to make an adjustment then. You know, for instance, with you know with the teams out of the Pac-12 coming to the Big 10 right Big 10's a tougher conference in theory a tougher conference to win so if you're getting the automatic bid okay well do you want to be in a tougher conference you know what i mean you want to be in a, a conference tough enough that you're going to get an automatic bid but you really want all that competition for that automatic bid now you could immediately follow that up with, yeah, but by playing those tougher teams, you're in a better spot to get one of the seven at-large bids. Okay, that might be true. Might not be. You know, if, if they go, you know, for instance, we don't think there's any big deal in the NFL. Like if a team goes 13-4, and four, wow, that's a great season. Right. Well, you lost, We don't care you, about the four losses. You lost four games. Yeah. In college football, you lose four games, you're not getting in. You're just not going to get in. No. Do you think? Not at all. I don't either. Even even with 12 teams. But two I don't losses think doesn't in. get you. One loss in some scenarios doesn't get you. Undefeated has it, not gotten in. It before. might it'll change now because there are right. 12 teams. However, you know, let's let's just say uh let's say USC is phenomenal. But they lose to Ohio State, Michigan and Washington. Just let's just say that's a schedule. Mm-hmm. But they're phenomenal. You're gonna get a, you're gonna get all four of those teams in. Yeah, I don't know that you are. Well, if you're gonna give them to the conference championship, uh, a ch- conference champion, there's one. There's a chance you could get. That four. means you get you're gonna get three of the seven at large bids. You don't think that the SEC and the Big Ten are gonna argue every year to have four or five teams in? Four teams. They in? can argue all they want whether they're gonna get pull it off. I mean, there are only seven spots. Seven spots available for at large bids. So you and you'll have your other one. So what, I think you I, can forget about. You don't think the Big Ten or SEC is going to get three schools? Well, someone's going to have three schools in on the first try. Somebody might, but not both. Dan, what do you think? Someone's getting three in on the first try. Guarantee it. That's two at-large bids and a conference champ. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would see that. Okay. Yeah, that I could see easily. Sure. But four? You're going to be hard-pressed for that, my friend. Well, here's how the four comes in, and this is where I was going to say this at the beginning of the show. Let's just say that one of the teams, like, you know how they – the way they break up the East and the West in the Big Ten, and that somehow, some way, that a team wins, let's just say uh, let's say one team wins the West, but the East is way stronger, and they sneak in and pull off a huge upset 
in the conference championship. But we see this in basketball all the time, right? Where now all of a sudden you probably had three teams for sure you were taking from the Big Ten. And what happens if on the other side champion that wasn't anywhere near what the opposite side that, you know, only one team can go to that conference championship, you could end up, if you commit yourself to the automatic bid going to your to your conference championship winner, now all of a sudden you could you could sneak a fourth team in there. Because well, that they might get the automatic bid and then you might and then what if you've got three teams in the top ten? What if you have four teams in the top ten? You're you're using and I don't It's a basketball it. logic. You're using basketball logic. Yeah. That might not hold true in football. It's like, well, wait a minute, you couldn't knock them off or you don't deserve to be in our twelve team playoff. Let's go get the best team out of the fill in the blank. But if you won, let's just say you won the East and, and we just had a huge upset, or maybe your quarterback was out for the conference championship and you've committed yourself now to letting the conference champion mm-hmm. have that automatic bid, or you're conv- that's going to be oh, on the line. Oh, you're making me mad now. I'm sorry. Now you're convoluting things and you're bringing all this judgmental garbage into it Well, well rather than just best teams. Am I, am I someone who hasn't walked down the college football road before in this well, And you're leaving it to a committee. So yes. what yep. if one of those teams is Oklahoma or one of those teams is Texas or USC or Alabama or right. Ohio State or a team that will draw a gargantuan number and make them a whole boatload of money because we know that plays into it. Although first-round games are going to be on campuses. So any campus that gets a game is going to absolutely sell it out. Yeah, but that's not what So they're... you're not going to have to worry about extra money because all of those games are going to be natural sellouts anyway. And here's it's my not next like question. It's not like you're going to a bowl game and you got to sell tickets. You're going to pack your place. Yeah, but those games, that the, the those big games, those are sold out. There's no, there's never a question about getting super expensive to get into the previous bowl championship series games. Those are the different ones. I, what, what Dan's talking about is they, First they, round? they travel well. Yeah, so... Ohio State's had some great bowl games over the years because they travel well. Same with some of the other schools. Right. They, they might not have had, if another school might have been better, but didn't travel as well. You know, you're not going to have to worry about it if you travel well. Your first round game's on a campus, and that school's going to pack that place. It's, it's absolutely going to happen. I, but they will absolutely take a team that would travel well, even if they had a first round home game or had to travel for the because they still look down the road. The next round is, is in a neutral site. However, this thing is going to catch fire like crazy, and you're going to sell out those games. It's not going to be like a bowl game, guys. These are the real deal. I mean, they're going to pack them. This, oh, is, this is a playoff. I'm not. Yeah. Wor- I'm not worried about the home campus games when it yeah. comes to the. the NCAA no, I, and I'm not. And I'm not worried about what the, what would be what national semifinals. I'm thinking about okay, what gets us the biggest TV number on the face of the earth. That's the part that I'm looking at because we know that these college commissioners but they will look at and these that, groups look at that. But when they go to schedule these games and they try to figure out what seed is what seed, right? They will look down the road to see who travels well. You guys, no, I, I, I honestly 100%, think, I think 100%. you guys are both basing your thoughts on what we know so far, which is NCAA basketball and the bowl system. I honestly think this is going to be so popular that it's going to draw television ratings because hey you're it's a playoff. I mean it's 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 not like oh good we won the Poughkeepsie Bowl. That's great. That's it's not that. People are going to want to see who's going to be the eventual national champ. And those the next round games when they knock it down to 8, those places are going to be full, man. They're they're this is going to work. 
Yeah, I don't. It, I don't think we're questioning whether oh, no, it's no, going to no. work it or will. not. It will one hundred percent work. But what sells better to a TV market? Ohio State versus Boise State or Ohio State versus LSU? I honestly think Ohio State against Boise State could be phenomenal because people are going to say, "Yeah, these guys are primed. They're they're the number eight team in the country." Here we go. They're one of the final eight. Let's go. Let's go, Boise State. And I, I just think it's going to work. No. Yeah, I think you're going to get Boise's, into a scenario. Is Boise I, bigger than Baton Rouge, Andy? If you're looking for television ratings. I know LSU has a national following. Right. Isn't Boise a bigger market than Baton Rouge? I don't know off the top of my head. Me neither, but it's comparable, I'm sure. I, it, but they don't care about the market. They, they, it, it's going to draw regardless, guys. Yeah, it's I'm not be worried a, about a huge that. huge success. Yeah, I I, that's not the I think you're, another problem you could have down the road is you could have massive blowouts on those home on those home site games, and then if you get into those and you're going down the road and you're like, oh man, I don't know about this anymore. I mean, we got teams, uh, you know, you've got teams hosting five, six, seven, eight. Now they're playing nine, ten, eleven, twelve, and twelve's playing five, and twelve just wins fifty six to nothing. Guys, it's like doubters. week one of the season. Doubters. No, I'm realist because I've watched enough college football over the year that I I know this is going to happen at some Doubters. point. Doubters. I don't trust this committee to save my life. No, I don't and then you're also looking at a takeout order. Doubters. Although I do think Pat Chun is on the it's committee fly. from Washington State, so okay. oh, we trust then him. it's going to be great. Okay, we trust I, him then. I, I trust everybody except one person who's probably in charge of putting together the takeout. And order. hopefully he'll help Ohio Pat's State because he's an alum. We want him back here. Uh, see Ohio State. You got to get back with it, Jeff. Cavaliers, give me your expectations for this last third of the season. Be healthy, please. That's it. Just be healthy. Yep. That's it. Man, it doesn't take much for you to get motivated. Hey, they play great ball. Jeff, here's a million dollars. Yeah, be healthy. They've had a great run. They've had a great run. Sustain it as much as you can. You know, they're not if they go eighteen and two the you know, the next twenty games, oh my goodness. Just do the best you can. Don't fall apart. Stay healthy. Keep playing the game the right way. And then do something in the playoffs and make everybody happy. Um, it, it's it's finding out whether this team can take what they've done and turn it into playoff success. That's and that doesn't happen until we get to the playoffs. Uh, Fedor was on earlier this morning. We, you know how we've talked. That'd be Chris Fedor. Yeah, Chris Fedor, super friend of the show. Sure, he was on the morning show this morning. That he, he was, must not be that big of a friend if he was on their show, not why, ours. Why do you have to get so territorial? Who cares? This is a this Andy, is a total felt. Just trying, just trying to like you know. Give you a little jab there. Get you going. That doesn't get me going. Anymore. No, it just no. Did. Those are done. It, it did. Did. did that get me going, man? Again? I don't think it did. Yeah. I need a ruling. Move on. All right. So, but he had talked about how um, <laughs> the notion of the two six one guards um, and numbers and stats um, are incredible for what's going on with the Browns and not not win loss yes. anymore. And I want to say Browns, sorry, Cavs, um, that the the notion of having redundancy at the guard spot um, isn't real right now because of the the high, the, the tandem that they are and that they're playing so well together. And that's fine. If they can keep doing that, I'm okay with that. I want to see how this thing rolls into the second or into the last. I, can I just say second half? We have you the all star. You can say game. anything you want. We don't care. I know, but you got like I feel like you guys get nitpicky sometimes when I say second half because it's not true. It's not. I think that's an insecurity thing on your part. More it than is. Anything yes, that it, we say. it very much is. I look in the mirror and I, I question. I'm like, okay, I hope I don't say anything wrong. Doggone it! People don't like me. That 
that if they're playing well together and there's a tandem of if they continue to play the way they've been playing, I don't have any problem with with what's going on right now. And well, to, how could you? They're you playing can't. great ball. Yeah, but those numbers, like we had talked about, the win loss record, and it, it it doesn't it doesn't sing anymore. Like maybe it did at what the beginning. Sing? The thought that it could be holding them back, having two six one guards, that these two guys are playing so well together now that they're well, playing they, together. They've been like ten games. One of the reasons they're playing so well together is that Darius Garland's minutes are down. Well, let me ref- let me take that back. You can't ignore the fact that Darius has been on a little bit of a minutes restriction and that he's taking about half as many shots and scoring about half as many points. I, I That's just a fact. I don't know. You, you want to say, okay, Darius can't play as big of a role and have success? I, you can't say that. All If you want to look really big picture, take a look at NBA champions since the beginning of time. At least when guys started, you know, playing the game at six five, six six in the backcourt, and how many guys, how many teams have won an NBA championship with two six one guards? I, I'm just looking real big picture on that. That's it's never been a recipe for success. Doesn't mean you can't be good in the regular season. Doesn't mean you can't win a playoff series. But can it be a recipe for success? I uh, think that's why not? What... Andy, anything could be a recipe for success. Yeah, I'm but just I, telling you, you what's happened historically in the NBA. But, Small backcourts don't win NBA championships. But can you feel confident in this? Small no, I'm backcourt? not confident that they're going to win an NBA championship. Okay. No. I'm not. No, I, championship I'd pick, just I'd be better Boston than they were last year. Milwaukee. Well, what are, you, what, are you, what are you shooting for here? Are we shooting for okay? Well, then you don't give up three number ones and two pick swaps and Mar- well, Lowry Markkinen and Colin Sexton and Ochi Obagi. You, you don't do that if you're just shooting to be okay. So then you're ex- – but you're saying I, – I don't want to put words in your mouth. I'm just going to ask you the question as it's written in front of me. What are your expectations for the Cavaliers in the last 30? Just I, healthy? I told you, be just healthy, healthy and get to the playoffs. And get there. Andy, I don't expect them to win an NBA championship, so I can't sit here and say I think they're going to win an NBA championship. I don't expect that. Do I think they're better than last year? Yeah, I think they're better. Is it a failure then if they don't for the price that they paid? I think they paid too much. You you, you want me to keep saying that? They've paid too much for Donovan Mitchell. Andy's looking at me like, yes, I want you to say that. He's phenomenal. I don't think it's the great way to build a team. I, that's it. It's not the Cavs. It's any team. I don't think you jeopardize all your future first-round draft picks for a guy who's under contract for a couple of years, who's not LeBron James or Giannis or Jokic or Luka. If they can extend him, will that ease the pain? Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, a little bit because that's a long-term that's a long-term play. But I still think you gave up too much. I mean, Andy, if if they never get out of the if they never get out of the second round. With Donovan Mitchell. Then it wasn't it, worth it. It wasn't, was it? No. So they have to do that. You get to the Eastern Conference Finals, all right, you got a, you got a shot. That's a, you know, that's, I mean, that's still pretty, a that's pretty, pretty good. expensive ticket to just get to the Eastern Conference Finals once. Good to see you're seeing the light. Nah. But it doesn't mean they can't, Andy. It doesn't mean, you know, historically, two 6 1 guards in the backcourt doesn't work. Doesn't mean it can't now. I mean, seriously, it doesn't mean it can't. It just historically doesn't work. Well, and, and, and worst case scenario, you don't make the big playoff run. Donovan, man, I've loved Cleveland. Thank you for my time. I'm moving on. And then you're sitting there with a team 
which is still pretty good, with no first-round draft choices for the next five years. Two pick swaps. So you'll have the lesser of two picks. Do we even talk about how they would build if that scenario came into play? Oh, no, we don't go there yet. Because there is no building, because is there? Because Cleveland Cavalier basketball has certainly been a free agent mecca. Wow. Well, you want the truth? Kevin Love signed here. No, Kevin was traded here. Kevin Love then, signed here after stayed. he was traded and stayed as a free agent. And it worked so well, they got rid of him. Well, I'll still <laughs> try to figure that one out. Mike is in Cleveland. Hey, Mike, how are you? Man, I'm I'm just like I'm getting tired of Jeff. Like once a week now. It used to be I'd say biweekly where Jeff would complain about giving up too much for Donovan Mitchell, but now it's like once a week. Maybe it'll eventually be never when Mitchell's not here. But Jeff, well, it on, might man. be never if he signs an extension too. And Mike, it might never be never if Andy doesn't just goad me to say it. That's true too. I may have poked the bear. That's true. That's true. But I, I wasn't going point. there at all today. And Andy's over there like, I don't want to talk about it. Let's make Jeff say Donovan Mitchell. We gave up too much. So hey, I did. Jeff, how many how many tier one players would you say there are in the league right now? Tier one. Well, there is no such thing, but I would say absolute best players. What do you mean, the- do you mean there's no such thing? Wouldn't you say someone who, who you can build around is a tier one player? Like That's, that's subjective. You, say- you, you don't build around 6'1 guards, Mike. I, I don't think, my, personally. Hey, Jeff, what's Mitchell's wingspan compared to Garland's? He doesn't have wings. He has arms. What's his wingspan? Tell us. He has longer reach. Hey, Mike. Yeah, Mike. Six. Mike. We can agree to disagree on this. I, I think Donovan no, Mitchell's no, a wait. phenomenal player. I've said that since the day they acquired him. My only point wait. is they gave up too much. That's it. Wait. wait. Okay. That's it. Okay. That's my only point. Just okay, because you yeah. have long arms doesn't mean you're not six one. Okay, but can we stop calling him short? And small? I've never okay. called him short, Mike. He has it. He just does. Move he along. just says six one. He just says you six said one. He's undersized, right? No, I've never said that. I've said he's six one. Okay, I've never so said he's implying, short. I've never said he's undersized. I've said he's phenomenal, Mike. And you're implying it's a small backcourt, correct? It is a small backcourt, Mike. Those are facts. Okay. That's okay. a, those- Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Those are facts, right. Mike. Give me ten. Give me fifteen seconds. Then I'll, then then you're I'll not you going to get ten if you keep uh, just keep throwing going, out just the spewing just, the crap you're okay. spewing. Garland is six feet, probably six one, with probably I think a six four wingspan. Okay, that that's small. He's undersized for sure. He's no, Mitchell he's a guard, a, Mike. That's all he is. He's a guard. He's not undersized. He's a guard. Garland is, Garland is a tiny frame. Mitchell is a monster. He's built like a brick house with a Mike, I love the guy. Frame. I'm not arguing that point you with you. You keep talking over me. You keep talking That's over me. That's because the show is Baskin and Phelps. It's not Baskin and Mike. You happy, Andy? <laughs> you damn right I keep talking over you. You keep trying to avoid the fact that they're both 6-1. That's, uh, I didn't say they stink. I say they're phenomenal, Mike. All I said was history tells you 6-1 backcourts don't win NBA championships. What are you here for? You trying to get to the second round? No, you're trying to win the whole dang thing. And you gave up a boatload for the guy. I would love to have Donovan Mitchell on this team for the next 10 years. But I'd also like to have a 6'5 guard playing next to him. Thank you, Mike. Tune in to the next episode of Baskin and Mike. Andy can goad Mike into saying something. Donovan Mitchell's not short. He has long wings. People don't have wings, Jeff. He's going to be Icarus. He's going to... Jeff, people don't have wings. He's going too close to the sun. 216-474-0092. All right, so let me ask you this. And now I'm scared because evil Jeff is out. Are the Cavs in a better place now to win a playoff series than they were a year ago? Now I want to hear what you have to say about that. Hello, my friend. How are you? Hello, hello. What's up, Chris? What's a good word? Uh, just trying to dodge the rain. My God, we can't stop raining out here. It's raining in Southern California? It is. Oh, oh, no, it's been bad for the last few weeks. I know people are like, well, you're in L.A., shut up. But these, this city does not uh, have the infrastructure for as much rain as we have had, so there's a lot of mudslides and, like, whole sinkholes in the roads. Kind of ugly. Wow, man. What about those places yeah. that they're always drag racing in the movies in between the freeways? Yeah, I, I thought those are for water, aren't they? It was on Greece. I have not. Was it just Greece? No, there are others. Yeah. You haven't seen any of those? Takes all the fun out of it. Takes all the fun yeah. out of it. Uh, Chris, we got a million things going on. Uh, the Rose rotation is in full force right now uh, with Major League Baseball. Let's start there with your uh, Good friend and our new manager, Mr. Vote. Uh, your thoughts on baseball getting underway here? And, you know, it's just weird. I look at power rankings every once in a while, and, you know, the Guardians seem to be, like, in 20th or or 20th or last. Jeff and I were talking about uh, top 100 players a little bit earlier today. We have two of those in the top 100. Yet, I still think, you know what? You get to 80-plus wins, 80, 88, 89, you got a chance in the Central. So, I know it's early, but we are ready for spring training here. Yeah, i got to be honest. It's just making the playoffs, period. Um, 
first of all, uh, baseball home field advantage isn't nearly what it is in the other sports. So if you just make it even as a wild card, that's fine. I mean, it's fun to have games at home in Cleveland and that place, no question, rocks. It's very cool to see, but just making the party. Um, Who represented the National League in the World Series last year? (laughs) Well, I can see you guys pay close attention to the sport. I can can answer. He will. The Arizona Diamondbacks. The Arizona Diamondbacks. I was going to say losing to my Texas Rangers. That's right. How how many wins did the Arizona Diamondbacks have in the regular season? Eighty-eight. That is incorrect. The correct number is eighty-four. I knew oh. it was close. I knew Jeff, it was. Can you believe great. I work with somebody that doesn't know anything about baseball? It's unbelievable. Eighty-four. So the point is, is that the Guardians don't need to win ninety-five games to be involved in the most important part of the year. Um. We can argue whether that's good or bad for the sport all day, but this is the dan- the hand that uh, everybody's dealt. So is this team capable of winning 84, 85, 80? You know, I mean, I think it's probably going to be a little higher in the American League because there are some really good teams in the East and a few in the West. So I would think probably 87 might be a number that you need to look at. Is this team capable of that? It's possible possible it's possible if the starting rotation does what we think it can do chris but Mm -hmm. do you think it's likely to do that and i don't obviously none of us know the answer to that but unfortunately in i think there are questions with each one of the five starters and if if three of the questions get answered in a positive way i think they've got a great chance this year to to be real competitive oh it's a real i mean i think it's a fun rotation you know i mean i agree obviously we're we're going to be dealing with the 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 bieber rumors and we should i mean over the next several months he's going to be a guy who um is available and as long as he's healthy and is if he's throwing 93 um and he puts up some really good numbers the first two two and a half months of the year he's a guy that that probably the guardians are going to end up moving even if they're in contention i mean to me, there's no way you should let him just walk and take a compensatory pick for him. Yeah. He's better than a single compensatory pick. Now, is it possible that compensatory pick turns into Aaron Judge like it did when we signed Nick Swisher and that's what the Yankees got was, you know, that pick in between rounds one and two and he turned into one of the top five players in baseball? Yeah, it can happen. But you would rather have your people assessing value from other franchises and doing that but let's put Bieber to the side right now I mean I think that between Bybee and Williams they've they've really got something special there um you know and I thought Logan Allen pitched pretty well last year and you know to me McKenzie is the one that I I feel like I'm most nervous about but could be most excited about too because at times in the last couple years he has just been filthy and dominant um and I just hope he can make it through Chris, there's no way Shane finishes the season on this team, is there? You, Mm-mm. I, I agree. I don't think so. I don't either. I don't think so. And and it, that's okay. Like, does it suck because he's been such a dependable pitcher for our franchise and you hate you hate to have guys who are your homegrown dudes who are still in their late 20s and you wonder, well, why can't we sign him to another deal? It's just not the way it goes. I mean – 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. We're very much in the same boat as the Tampa Bay Rays, who year after year are contending for a division crown and in some cases are playing in series even bigger than that. Um, they just traded Tyler Glass now. I mean, why wouldn't they have given him the $135 million that the Dodgers did? And he had more health question marks than Shane Bieber. But they, but Glass now, who's a member of the Rose rotation, knew in the last few years he was going to get traded. He just didn't know when. So I think if you ask Shane Bieber, he knows that he's going to get traded. If you ask people in this organization and they're going to give you a, you know, if you give them a truth pill before they answer, they know he's going to get traded as long as he's healthy. And I think it's just something we got to accept. Chris, I want to throw another baseball question at you. Just ESPN had the story too, and I just I wanted your take on it. Expansion for Major League Baseball. Uh-huh. How soon do you think it's going to happen, and where do you think it could happen? Well, it's not going to happen until the A's get their crap settled. That's the number one priority for them. Um, you know, they've got some major issues with this move to Las Vegas, and it has been a tie. I don't know how closely you've been following it. It doesn't seem like total. Vegas is in a big hurry to bring them in. No, I mean, we just heard the mayor yeah. a couple weeks ago come out and say, I think they want to stay in Oakland, and I think the best thing for them to do is to try and get a ballpark there. Now, that might be political posturing, right? Because right. he wants the team to move to a more historic part of town where there's more land available instead of just dropping them into the area where the Tropicana is and putting a retractable dome uh, stadium on a nine-acre plot. That's not going to happen um, easily. So, you know, the league's got to get that figured out before they can entertain the likes of a Nashville, which I think is a foregone conclusion and probably a place like Salt Lake, which could get a dry run with the Oakland A's over the next few years. If you know, this is their indeed their last year out of the Coliseum. You think, you think baseball's in a situation Chris, and obviously the A's are you know looking to move, where we could see franchise movement as opposed to franchise expansion. Oh, that gets into a dangerous area. Um, you know, I mean, Arizona, Ken Kendrick, who's their owner, just came out the other day and said, because their lease, I think, ends, out, ends in 2027 or something. Yeah, you know, he came out and he said, listen, we're not actively trying to move the team, but there are cities that want us, you know. So it was the backhanded bail threat, if you will, that if we don't get what we want, we're out of here. Um, I don't 
think it's best for your sport to keep having musical franchises. I really don't. The Raiders are kind of an anomaly in the NFL. Um, Obviously, we had our team ripped away from us in the mid-90s. Well, I guess it's not because Tennessee did it too. So, I don't know. I just think – I don't think it's great business, um, particularly in this sport, particularly in this sport. Um, I think it's really, really risky when you're talking about a regionalized sport because you don't know what you're necessarily getting into, right? I mean, Nashville, we think, is the perfect baseball home, and it might be. But I don't know if that's 60% Braves fans and a handful of Cardinals fans. And, you know, like, I don't know how it adds up. Can you support 81 home dates? I, I don't know. Um, I'm going to throw this one at you, too. We were talking a little bit of college football, but I thought it was interesting how it, it kind of meshed with the NFL, where this new 5 plus 7 format with – more college football games in the playoffs. Um, at some point there, they're going to go head-to-head with the NFL on Saturdays. I just think it's it's interesting. Um, you know, we talked to Dan Wetzel about, you know, the NFL is probably looking at a 430 game on a Saturday where there might be a little bit of overlap between college and pro. I just, you know, we really haven't had that, especially on Saturdays. Um, I don't know. Just your thoughts on that. Yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think it's ideal at all. I mean, when you're a football fan, you're a football fan. Are there certain people who are strictly NFL and then strictly college football? Yes, there are. There are, but like, take the three of us. We would all watch anything. I mean, if you're going to watch a, a, a playoff game between I'd, – I'd watch a game between Florida State and, you know, Oregon. I absolutely would, yep. even if I didn't have an allegiance to one of those two teams. But, I'm, you know, me personally – I'm not watching that over the Texans and the Bills. You know, I'm just not. I'm not watching it. And I I think it's dangerous for both. I know that they're going to try to avoid it at all costs, at all costs. By the way, why can't you do the college football stuff on Friday? I mean, isn't that the better day? On a Friday night, I think so. I like, although now you're, well, yeah, you're out of the high school stuff, so yeah, you're totally out of yeah. high school. Yeah, I don't yeah. see a problem with that, but that's not the way it looks like it's lining up to be, especially with having these home dates, and then because I, I, I think that's going to be phenomenal watching playoff games in college at home for the first round. Like to yep. me, that that I think is going to be fantastic. Yeah, be great. yeah, the only problem is is that now that you're allowing more and more playoff teams in there is that possibility that, and I haven't looked at the structure. I, I'll be honest with you guys. I haven't paid close enough attention to it. So do the top four get by? Yes. And then, yeah. Okay. So five, six, so top, seven, eight will host. They'll host nine, 10, 11, 12. Yeah, there is a possibility. There could be a huge disparity between five and 12, right? And then all of a sudden you're dealing with a blowout. It's possible. Also, possible you get a great game but you know we've seen years where the 12th ranked team has no business competing with those top five or six teams so i think they just it's stuff they got to work through might not be perfect year one can i uh can i throw a shortstop question at you very quickly please let's do this well why do i want to see brian rocchio like crazy because you know what gabriel Arias is offensively i think 
And listen, can I tell you this? Yeah. Aries is a stud defensively. He he, like, is. he is. He's got a great arm, Chris. Great arm. Great arm. Um, and his reverse splits are insane as a hitter. That means that against lefties, he was horrible last year. And against yeah. righties, he was really good. Which makes no sense, um, but that's the way it goes. Yeah. Well, sometimes it doesn't make sense. But Rokio, um, I can tell you this, Miguel Rojas, another regular on the Rose rotation, he played winter ball with Rokio in Venezuela. And he said, I'm telling you, dude, you've got your shortstop right there. And Miguel Rojas has been a big leaguer for 11 seasons now and is one of the more dependable gloves. He said, I'm telling you, he's, he's your guy. That's your dude. So, I, yes, because we've heard his name for so long, we yeah. want it to work. I think we just want one of these guys to take the reins and run with it more than anything. I think you're absolutely right. Chris, as always, uh, enjoy the rain, I guess. That seems um, weird. I think we should we should be good. We're just trying to get our our son's baseball season cranked up. We've had a couple of rainouts. So. I know, once again, nobody in Cleveland wants to hear that because you're like, wait a second. When I was at university school, we didn't start our season until like May 8th, and then it ended to May 10th. That's true. <laughs> And then someone, you know, there was always someone, you know, with a water or something standing there at first base for you, and someone would take your jacket, and they they put it to the side. Well, that was usually me, because I was the, I did not play. I was the manager of the team. And I remember, oh, God, I got nailed one day. I was wearing one of my pink buttoned-up shirts that I had to wear to school, and I didn't change for the game. And we played, uh, who was it? Oh, my buddy Novotny would remember who it was. But, yeah, they were just... I was the uh, the low hanging fruit there. They were coming after me pretty good. Well, Chris, I'm sorry. And if you ne- anytime next time we'll come on, we'll talk about psycholo- psychological problems still haunting Chris Rose on the show. I'm very Thank much. You. Well, I'm that could, that could to take that. the better part of an entire week of shows. I, I'd be, you know what? I'd be willing to listen to it. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, guys. Talk to you Bye. soon. All right, Chris Rose on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. We talked about some cool stuff with him. I just I hate giving away talent. And I hate having to play the game of bringing in rookies and waiting to see what they're going to be. And I, I don't know. I it just it, it, uh, it's I, worked. You haven't won a World Series, but it's worked. Yeah, I'm looking for a our, World our Series team right has there. had very competitive baseball teams for a very on a very regular basis for a very long time. They they do it well. But Andy, take a look at the types of owners. I'm just I'm tired of being competitive. You know, we talk about the Cavaliers oh, okay, in the same well, conversation. I'm not I'm gonna, I'm not tired of being competitive year in and year out. When you can reach the top every once in a while, and I, I'd prefer to be competitive year in year out than and to, continue to lose in the. I, I just than, like than I just, to have one championship in twenty years. You know, I don't know. The Cavs and, championship and still feels pretty for, good right now, stink, doesn't it? Stink for nineteen years. Yeah, it it was terrific, but it was it was a really good run. You know, I mean, it was you, you didn't sell your soul for just one year, and I mean. No, and finals four times. You've had some very competitive teams, and you were lucky I you just, got LeBron to come back. And I, I get all those things. Don't you think though that I think ownership has changed in pro sports, and oh. owners like Art Modell was just a guy who owned a team, mm-hmm. like the Dolan family is a, a family that owns a team, like the Rooney's family that owns a team. Those are few and far between now, and now you're getting. People who have an exorbitant amount of wealth buying teams and running teams, sometimes as an investment and sometimes as a plaything and sometimes as a second career. And that's almost what the Haslam's have done, you know, from from a trucking empire to now being sports owners. 
And you know, everybody always says we want Clevelanders to own it. Well, the Haslam's weren't Clevelanders, but they've certainly become Clevelanders and have invested in the community. Right. Dan Gilbert's not a Clevelander, but he has certainly invested in the community and invested in his team. Sure. And it, I think that used to be something that we were afraid of. You know, that somebody I, would come in from out of town to buy the team. Yeah, yeah, and and I, I still say be careful what you wish for. Well, but I don't know that that's the case as much anymore. I I, I just I'm still you, can, you like, can always be you can always be afraid of moving the team if you support your team and your team does well and you know you have to have a good team in order to be supported and and pray that Art Modell doesn't own the team because you supported that, the team and he still moved yeah, it. Yeah. Pray that your owner is a decent business person. I don't. I, I mean, you look at. I, Baseball seems to have though a lot of those family like um, I don't know Reinsdorf and Illich and I mean Sherman. I'm just thinking of some of these names off the top of my those head. Those are big money guys though. Yeah. Okay. So, but and then I wonder what's going to happen here. And I I I hate going back to this all the time too. But what this minority group is going to do if they get the chance to if the if the scenario works out where they take over the franchise, I just, it's just like you say, I mean, Dan, we talk about this all the time too. It's like, okay, if you got Bieber and, he, and he's pitching great and now all of a sudden you got to lose him. I just, I don't know. I don't think it's good. For, if you have the opportunity to pay for him, I guess do it. I don't know. This is an old topic that, that bothers people, but I just, at some point you're just like, man, I just, just hang on to the guy. I don't know. Maybe that's why Ramirez was such a special deal that he was able to stay. That we probably shouldn't have been able to afford them, but they did, and they figured it out. It's one of those chicken or the egg conversations you're going to run into because if you think you have an honest shot at the World Series, if let's say the Dodgers run into just injury hell, okay, it's not out of the realm of possibility. There's always a couple teams in baseball that have that happen, especially with pitching staffs, and especially with their pitching staff, which is kind of pointing that direction, but. Let's say the path clears open somehow, some way. A lot of guys, you know, overachieve. A lot of guys look really good. Well, now all of a sudden, your July thirty first conversation looks a lot different than your July thirty first conversation does right now. You know, if that's where hope springs eternal with baseball, I mean, they could be in a position where they're rolling and they look good, and all of a sudden they got to add at the deadline, and they've got the pieces in the minor league system to turn around and add at the deadline because they're winning. And so that's when you want to look and do those kind of things. Maybe it's a different animal then. I don't know. I'd still listen to Chris talk about, you know, the Diamondbacks making it to the World Series and not having that many wins during the regular season and and doing that. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that gives me hope. And like I was saying, looking at power rankings and noticing that the Guardians are in the, you know, below 20 on all those, but yet they still look to be the number two, number three team in the AL Central. I think that gives you a little bit of hope. I think it gives you a little bit of hope. I'm going to take a quick phone call here. Bob is in Cleveland. Hi, Bob. Yeah, if, like he just said, if, if the Guardians are in contention, why would they trade Bieber, Jeff? Because they're going to lose him at the end of the year. The The question is, Bob, if you're in contention, I see it. But you're going to be in contention? I don't know. I mean, you're going to have to play it out and see. I would just be really surprised, Bob, if he lasts the year here. I'd love to see it because it means, A, either they can sign him to a contract, they're really confident about that, or, B, they have a chance to win. Unless one of those two things is in place, you have to move them, don't you? No, you do get a comp pick, um, okay, which okay, would be but a late what, first. What, do you want a pick, or do you want two or three guys who you've already handpicked as, as prospects who could come See, in and help you maybe in, within a year? 
That's the thing, though. I don't think they're seeing the value that they expected. That's why he hasn't been dealt. Here's another, and Bob, thank you. Here's another question for you, both you guys here. That what if the the Guardians are a 500 team yet still sitting, you know, two games back or or, or within striking distance? Does that change what you think about Bieber? Because remember yesterday, um, who did we have on yesterday? They were, it was great that they just said. If you look at the Guardians, they're probably better off and built for October more than they are for the regular season because of the rotation and because of, because of the way things look right now. So, like, I, I don't understand. I, you know, when you're looking at the at the trigger to pull it before the trade deadline, if that's what you're going to do with Bieber, what's the threshold? It It's all to be determined, Andy. I, I would think the most likely scenario – is that the team is not threatening to win the championship in the division? Now, not to win the central. Yeah, you're, you're okay. That's why, because I mean, you can look I, I at would, it and say, I would say that's the most likely. Hey, we're and, and that and that you've not come to contract terms with Bieber and you move him. Boy, I hope that's not the case. That means you're in contention, or you're going to win the division, and or you think you can sign him. I mean, those are those are preferable. But you know, if you're if you're 15 games under 500, if you're right around there. And let's say Shane is not your ace anymore, which is possible, is it not? Absolutely. I mean, he he could be your third or fourth best pitcher this year. Mm -hmm. Maybe. That would be good if, you know, for the young guys, it wouldn't be good for Shane. But, you know, fingers crossed. I'd love to keep him. That'd be awesome. That would mean a lot of things are going the right way. If they're not, you're going to move him. And I think you better move him if it's – you know, if you're not knocking on the playoff door and you don't think you're going to sign him, I don't. Do you see that threshold that I'm talking about, Dan? That you, if you, if you're like a 500 team, but you're still two and a half games back out in the Central, do you hang on to them and then hope that you're the Diamondbacks the next year, being a team that's in the low 80s to get to the World Series, or do you have to look at it and say, man, I got to look down the road and if we can get something for him, I got to do this now. But and then what are you saying to your team if you do that, even if you're only two or three games out in the Central. I think I mean, I mean, think it's going to be a slippery slope if they are because I fully expect them to be hanging around by the trade deadline. The regular season has turned into one animal. The playoffs have turned into where basically you just – there's so many teams in it now. that And, and baseball has always been relatively random. But like now it seems like you really are just putting your head on the baseball bat and spinning 35 times and then whipping a dart at the board of who you're going to see in the World Series. Like it's just become this – you're not seeing the best teams find their way to the World Series. It's whomever's hot and whoever can sure. rig their rotation well, and rig their the, bullpen. And that's why it was said yesterday, why, yeah. Right. And that that's was why Arizona was, last year. Exactly. Yeah. And you could even throw the Rangers in there who had one of the worst months in yes. baseball. I mean, we caught them when they were down there. Yeah. The second and that's the thing. Yeah. is So this team's kind of built where, yeah, you could rig this together and make a real run at it the way that they did in 2016. It's why I want to see what happens before I make any decisions. Absolutely. However... If you don't think you're keeping the guy and you think you have some pitching depth, now whether you do or not, that's another story. I, I think you just have to be really open to the idea that Shane Bieber's not going to be on this team all year. It's talking about the Cavaliers in and out as they get back to go on the floor tomorrow night against Orlando here at home and uh, start the last third of the season. So um, a lot of the questions that we've been talking about with the Cavaliers are just kind of like what we're seeing on the floor, what we're expecting uh, for this last third of the season. But now I ask this question, and I, I don't know that there's an answer for this right now because I th- there's such a difference between playing in the regular season and knowing that you can play a team five, seven times in a series, right? And knowing that that is 
something that could be ahead of you because series just look so much different than playing in the regular season. But are the Cavs now in a better place to win a playoff series than they were last year? Jeff? They better be, and I think they are. You've played together for a you know a year. You've had more time to gel as a team. The coaching staff has had more time to figure out how to make this team work, how to get the most out of this crew. Oddly enough, I think it took injuries to two of the top guys for them to really figure out the best way to do it, which I don't quite understand. All I know is I'm glad they got there, finally. But I, I think Jared Allen is a more confident offensive player, probably out of necessity, Andy, because they needed him. He's always had that. But I, I think the Cavs have figured out, hey, you know, he can do this, which Jared's known forever. But I, I think I think he can be a, a bigger help to you. I think Evan Mobley is better. I mean, it, it, it only goes to think that as a guy gets a little older, he learns more about the NBA game and improves as a basketball player. I think we're seeing that with Evan, uh, Darius, if he's if he's healthy, and no reason to think he's not. You know, with the the jaw and all that, right. that shouldn't affect him. Mm-hmm. Um, he should be even better as the season goes on. And Donovan Mitchell's one of the best players in the league. I don't think he's top three or four, three or four or five, but he's one of the better players in the league. So they should be better served as a playoff team. Now, that's all theory. Until you get on the court and play in a playoff game and show that you can play playoff basketball better than you did last year, then it's all just theory. I'll buy what you're saying. I'll add one more point here that, you know, I think having to live here all season and have to think about what happened with the Knicks last year uh, is definitely a, a high motor motivator, I should say, for the Cavaliers going into this thing this year and what they do down the stretch here. And, you know, we talked yesterday about how it's kind of an awkward end of the season, especially with a big road trip out west, and then you you end the season with three games at home, and who knows what those will be worth, and you don't know. Can the Cavaliers still sit in the number two spot and hold on to that number two spot? I I don't know. I don't know. what they're. I, I know that winning 18 out of 20 is extremely difficult to do in the NBA, and to continue to win at that rate I think is highly improbable. I don't care who you're playing. I mean, you're going to run into back-to-backs. You're going to run into being on the road, you know, late in the season. You're going to run into things that that make it tough. But, you know, again, you play 500 basketball, look where you are down the stretch. I'm not saying that that gets you ready for the playoffs, but I feel way more confident in the Cavaliers going to the playoffs this year than I did a year ago. Why? Um, I, I think they did make little tweaks, and I know we we might disagree on this, but they made tweaks – to make the roster a little bit better, I, maybe I the players are playing better. I think they're deeper. Yeah, and I, I think the experience factor is important. I think knowing what happened to them last year and not letting that happen again is going to be important. Now, who are they going to land in the playoffs? I, I don't know at this point. Like, if it was a natural playoff and you didn't have the playing tournament, I believe it'd be Miami they would come out with right now. Was it seven? One, the one thing about the roster tweaks and all that, though. Though it's true, and though I do think their roster is is better than it was and deeper, um, when they needed to, George Niang, Max Drews' attitude all season has mm-hmm. been helpful. Sam Merrill can flat-out shoot it. They're not the reason that you could be a better playoff team. And if they're the reason you win a playoff series, I'd be stunned. 
the reason you're going to win a playoff series is because your star players get the job done. Yeah. And that means Garland, Mitchell, Mobley, Allen. I, and maybe I'm just, you know, a little melancholy thinking about how you watch the growth of a franchise that, you know, was at the bottom that worked its way up to, you know, it took a little longer than we thought, but winning a championship. And even when I go back and think about LeBron, you know, 1.0 and the rise of the Cavaliers at that point, I, and, you know, you can sit here and debate how the roster looked like, blah, 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 blah. But it took a win like the one against Detroit in that first run for LeBron that kind of set the stage for expectations for the rest of his, you know, rest of his future. I think back to losing that series against Orlando in his first run, like they never should have lost that series. And we would have had, is correct. And we would have had, you know, LeBron against Kobe, right? I'm, I'm telling you still oh. one of the coolest things ever was when they beat Detroit. Yeah. And got to the NBA finals. But wasn't that San Antonio? That that's like, I would almost put that as uh, like the Jeff Phelps process coming to fruition you know that like in that yeah, yeah. That, that's exactly that's the that ultimate was. goal of the process because if you take a look at that team you know it didn't have a ton around it this team has much more talent than that team had I do but I also think you need that learning curve like getting smoked by the Knicks last year to understand what it takes and how different things are going to be in the playoffs and what the level of expectation needs to be but you also have to marry that with why you were successful during the regular season and I think, you know, players understanding their roles and players not – players staying, you know, I don't want to say in the box, but players who um, are kind of staying in their lane to know how you won 18 out of 20 against various teams has to come back into play when you're hitting the playoffs. And then you got to be able to figure out how to do it night after night. That That, you know, the Knicks figured it out and went forward, and then we watched them in the next round of the playoffs, and you're like, ah. Oh, why didn't we beat those guys? You know, it's we can sit here and think about it all day, Andy. We can talk about it all day. You just never know what's going to happen when you get into a playoff environment. You know, where where a team can focus in on the same, you know, same thing game after game after game. And the Knicks did a great job of that against the Cavs last year. I don't know how that's going to go this year. I mean, I, I think the Cavs have a ton of talent, and you know what I think of Mitchell. Mm-hmm. You know what I think of Mobley. And I, I think Jared Allen is is terrific, and Darius is an extremely talented guard. They could do some big things this year, and maybe they lose in the first round. I I have no idea. I just know they have a lot of talent on this team, and if they put it together, I, I think you could get to the Eastern Conference Finals. I do. I really do. Yeah. I think they have that kind of talent. I don't think they're the best team in the East. Uh, let's go to Andy, North Homestead. Hi, Andy. Hi, Andy. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good, good. good. How are you? Hey, good. Uh, hey, you know what? Moving forward, very confident that we're going to keep the two seed. And I think, Jeff and Andy, the one thing I'm going to be watching are how J.B. tinkers with his uh, rotations. And just to let, uh, give, you, uh, give you an example, um, I want. I would love to see because you know every coach loves stops. You guys know that. It's the coach in me as well. Right. I, I want to see a lineup with Donovan at the one at some time during the game, not starting necessarily. Isaac at the two, Wade at the three, and up front obviously Mobley and Allen. That's an up and down switchable team 
Uh, Dean and Isaac have been shooting it well. They need to shoot it with confidence. Donovan defensively is a lot better at one than he is at two because Donovan with the size has trouble when he switches on the threes. Uh, so I, I just hope that JB trusts his depth, you guys. And Jeff, as always, you stole my thunder. Donovan and Darius must play well, unlike last year. So uh, th- that's my comment for today. I'd love to hear what you think about uh, my killer stopping uh, lineup. <laughs> Andy, thank, thank you. you Andy. I-, I love the length of that lineup. You know, I you, you can't ignore the fact that the NBA big guys seem to have an advantage. I'm just throwing that out there. Dean, I think Dean Wade is a really interesting piece there. And, and the key to the whole thing, look how well the role player guys played when Donovan Mitchell was orchestrating everything. You know, A, the Cavs needed those guys to step up because, you know, at that point your scoring options were Donovan and Jarrett because you didn't have Evan and you didn't have Darius. So the Cavs needed them to step up. They did step up, and who set them up? Donovan Mitchell. Right. So, Andy, I, I I think that's an interesting lineup to use from time to time. I like Donovan at the point guard for the reasons you said, and I I think he, I think he really orchestrates really well. Uh, Why, Dan, well, the other thought to it, sure, real quick. Yeah. And it, this is this is where JB Bickerstaff has to figure everything out. You know, I think Darius is a really good point guard. But we saw Donovan Mitchell during this stretch, did we not? Was was he phenomenal? Why would you take the ball out of his hands? I, I he's better than Darius, and I think Darius is really good. But I just saw that and I thought, man, why would you take the ball out of Donovan's hands? So it's JB's got to figure that out and make it all work. That's why he's that's why he's the head coach. And I think the Indy, they've done a nice job of doing that since everybody came back. Now, can Don, can Darius be okay with not scoring as much, with not shooting as much? Because that's been the case since he came back. Or can they figure out how to keep winning like they have with Darius taking the normal number of shots he normally would and scoring about the same number of points? It's a great situation because it's it's pluses all the way around. But you've got to make it work if that's if you're going to go that way. Either way, you've got to make something work. Are the Cavs in a better place now to win a playoff series than they were last year? I said yes and feel confident. Yeah, I think and so too. So we're about we're on the same page for that, right? Well, and they better be. You know, you you've grown together for another good chunk of time, and you've made some roster additions. Individually, guys have gotten better. Hopefully, they've gotten better playing as a team. They've certainly shown that lately, and hopefully, they're able to continue doing that. And hopefully. They were able to play that style of ball or another variation of it to be successful in the playoffs. And maybe this time around they'll understand the adjustments they need to make too within a series itself once they hit that first round and they get to the second, if they need to make adjustments at all. I mean, sometimes teams can't just stop teams, but I no. think eventually when you play them three, four times, it's, you, you get into that, you, you know they figure needs, it out. You know who needs a good playoff run more than anybody is Donovan Mitchell. It's a good point. It's, Dan, I didn't get your – I wanted your two cents on this, too, when we're before the last segment. I'll get back to the phones here in a second. 216-474-0092. Are the Cavs in a better place now to win a playoff series than last year? Yes. And I why? think they've got better shooters around them. I think they've got better talent around them. I think they can match up a little bit differently than they did in the past. 
I wonder if they run into a Boston Celtics or something like that, if they will be able to handle a Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown type of situation. But I don't know how many teams can. There's the defensive nightmare for them. Right. Yeah. Which is those, they which still is, have which that Which is you lack. have Donovan Mitchell and Max Struess trying to guard Tatum or Brown. Right. That's here, the here, part that's going to get interesting. But if you're worried about a Knicks-like scenario mm-hmm. where basically Tom Thibodeau went, okay, we're just going to completely take away everything that you do on offense. Right. We are eliminating high screen and roll. To, to quote Michael Lombardi, we are going to make you play left-handed. I think this year they actually may have a counterpunch to what a team like that would do to eliminate that high pick and roll. In theory, that's correct. I think that's the difference. They've got the shooting to back it up, and it feels like they actually have a sustainable offense. So why it, wouldn't it work, Jeff, if you're saying if it's well, the theory? Well, because, correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, by you saying they have a, a counterpunch to that and a counterattack, that means using guys that weren't on the team last year. And I don't think you're going to win a playoff series if you're counting on the guys who aren't your main four guys to be the guys. The, to win a playoff series, it still has to be Garland, Mitchell, Mobley, Jared Allen. The other guys can help, but those guys better do the job. The one, one thing I said about Donovan Mitchell, Andy, and I, I just say this because it's fact and it hasn't changed much. Donovan has been, and he was younger at the time, He's been in eight playoff series in his career. He's won two of them. His record in playoff series is two and six. And that's why I say Donovan needs a pretty good run. He does not want to become labeled. And I I think it's too early to say that he's been labeled this because he's still a young guy. He's only in his what sixth, seventh NBA season. That, okay, well, he's a great regular season player and can't win in the playoffs. That's That's unfair. And you can't say that. But you're saying that's coming if they can't. No, I'm not saying that. Well, then why would? We why, do... why do you always say? So what you're saying well, why, is. But, so what I'm. Why, what I'm why saying even bring is, that is up though? Why? Because even... he hasn't had playoff success. Okay, so like, I guess the theory is then why would you even bring that up if it's so? You're saying that eventually he's going to get tagged down the road. Guys who, guys who become the face of the league and and he's going to make a boatload of money, so he's going to get paid regardless. But when you win in the playoffs, that's that's what the NBA is all about. Sure, and he's yet to do that, so he needs to do that. Only he's only won a first round playoff series twice. Jerry is in Cleveland. Hi, Jerry. Hi, how you doing? Good, Jerry. I have to go back to what Jeff said. Uh, I do not believe two six one point guards could take you um, to the semi conference finals. I actually think that. Uh, we need to stop operating for fear, from fear and go all in on Donovan Mitchell. I think he would stay here if you showed that we're all in on him. Part what do you mean by all did, in, Jerry? Um, I actually would uh, trade Darius Garland, you know, get some draft picks of him and another player and see what you could get so we could at least get back some flexibility because not having any draft picks at all in five years is pretty bad. There's only and, one catch with that, Jerry. You got to make sure Donovan stays. He's got to sign it before you would do that trade. But we can't operate from fear. And if but you, you also make can't it, operate you're not gonna... from trading away yeah, your, why would you your do that? star young point guard and then having your other guard walk away in free agency. You can't do that either. Well, the bottom line is uh, you could either take a chance and do that or be in purgatory. I mean, limbo, you know, where you just. Uh, what the Indiana Pacers had done it, or would be like the Atlanta 
Bucks. Atlanta, yeah. where you just make it to a certain point and you never go all the way. You have to take a chance. Well, like don't Browns you think did, even though it hasn't worked out yet? But but didn't they take, take chance. that chance with with Brian Mitchell in, in the first place? Yes. Uh, well, it goes back to they did trade too much because you have no draft picks at all. We have to sure, get the draft it, picks back. And, and those haven't Jerry, kicked thanks. in yet, Jerry. That's that's the point that Jerry's yeah, there, talking about. There's no way you're going to trade Garland if you don't think you have Mitchell for the long term. I, there's no way would you would think pull that it. Would you, be, I mean, why that detrimental? Yeah, that'd be worse than purgatory. However, if you did sign Donovan Mitchell long term, anything's on the table. Because he would be, I think he with Evan Mobley would be the guys you'd want to, you know, move forward with. Bill is in Parma. Hey, Bill. What's up, Missouri? Hey, uh, great discussion. Um, yeah, I hope Donovan Mitchell stays here. I don't think you can win much with Garland, even if Mitchell leaves. Garland is a one-dimensional player. He reminds me very much of Mo Williams. Well, certainly better with the ball. Uh, not a defensive guy, too light. Uh, they'll they'll isolate him in the champion. In, Wait, in I just want to double check. You're talking about say that again. Who are you talking about? Garland. Oh, Garland. Okay, all right. Yeah, in playoffs, they're, they're just going to isolate Garland against uh, a bigger guard, and and there's no way he can stop him. So he's a liability when it comes to defense. Um, you know, if they get to at least close to the finals. It's been a successful season. You look at Boston. Boston was never going to win the championship with Tatum and Brown. You talk about a, you know, a couple of guys that never fit. I mean, Brown, you give him the ball, and you might as well be throwing the ball into the Grand Canyon. He never throws it to anybody. He puts his head down and runs right straight to the basket. I, don't you know, know, Bill, we, I like that combination, and I like it even more now that they have Porzingis. Well, that's why they had to get Porzingis and Holiday, and you know they got White, and we don't have those guys at that level. If we could get a, a Holiday, Porzingis, White, goodness gracious! Wasn't that a so, great pickup for them, Bill, to get Holiday, get Drew Holiday? Oh, oh, he's a lot better than Smart. I mean, he just is. I mean, Smart's a, a very tough player, but I, I would here. here I never do trades. But a guy I work with threw this one out, and he said, "You think the, you think Golden State is fed up with uh, Draymond Green?" And I said, "Well, I hope they are." <laughs> and he said, "You think they trade? Uh, they take uh, Garland and somebody else for Draymond? We get Draymond." And I want to tell you something: if we had somebody with his attitude, with his ability to play defense in the middle, um, you know, not a bad thing to do. We just need we just need some bigger guys and go and and be able to play a little bit tougher defense. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate it. I don't know. I don't, do we have a jerk? I don't, I don't know that we have that guy. Oh, you could say jerk, or if you want to leave the personality out of it, and yeah. put what he does on the floor. What, what, and so hypothetical, it's ridiculous. Donovan Mitchell, Karis LeVert, Draymond Green, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen. Sign me up. Be interesting. Well, it'd be really interesting, but you know that's so hypothetical; it's ridiculous. You don't want you don't want to deal with the headaches that Draymond brings. You know, with some of his actions on the court and some of the other stuff. And I'd take him as a player all day long. He's 
he's a terrific NBA player because you need it done, he'll do it for you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 